Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Ben Pitney continues in our new series, Dream On, out of the book of Matthew. For this seventh message titled, Something Invincible, turn to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 26. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. kind of communicates if you dream about it, it'll just come true, right? And you're in a dream world if you think that that's actually going to happen. There's a, I don't, I don't know exactly what this song is about. You can listen to it a hundred times and never, never know. But what it, what it, I'm struck with uh, um, that this, that this little bumper video communicates is that we are, uh, you know, in craziness just right and left. I mean, I, I just kept thinking, oh, this week will be a little bit different. You know, and it's just one thing after the next, you know. Um, <laughs> our president gets uh, the, uh, the, the, the virus and other things, you know, and then it dominates uh, all, kinds of, all kinds of things. And th- that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a million things that keep on happening over and over and over again that um, cause our emotions to just be kind of ragged after a while. I, I have to admit, uh, it's kind of gotten under my skin just recently. It's a lot of work uh, to navigate this emotional roller coaster ride that I feel like we're on in our culture. And the church, uh, in the midst of this, though, sometimes we, uh, I, I feel like we pull back, we're afraid, we're uncertain, and it is unnecessary. I'm not saying that we should be silly and that we should be flippant about a, a deadly virus, but we do have to be... Um, we do have to understand a few things that uh, fear um, of anything cannot dominate the way that we live. And I want to challenge you today uh, from God's Word. I want to draw the truth out of the text. And I got to confess to you, I feel like I'm going to be a little preachy today. But what I want to do is motivate and inspire, draw the truth from the text, try not to be too opinionated about things, but I'm going to stand on it about as hard as I might ever stand on it today because I think we are living in a time and an age that we can't afford to goof around. I keep communicating, and I keep saying each and every week, and I think the Lord is convicting me over and over again, that if you sign up to be on Jesus' team, all right, that if you confess Jesus as Lord, if you give your life to Jesus, that it is a radical decision. It is a radical lifestyle. Being a Christ follower is radical. And therefore, the church, the bride of Christ, if you think that Jesus is radical, why would the wife of Jesus be any less radical? Okay? Why would um, our mission and our mandate just be some tame, weak, uh, uh, just blathering, kind of pointless purpose? Our job, our mission as a church, the household of faith, a family of families. Our mission and our purpose is radical. It's actually, I think, fleshed out in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. Read along with me. Find it in the scriptures. I'm not going to put it up here this morning. you got to take out your phone, your tablet, your Bible, and follow with me, starting in verse 13. Listen, if you can underline some radical thoughts and thinking or phrases as, um, as I read and as you follow along. Starts in verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? 
And they answered, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He says to them, but who do you say that I am? So, of course, Peter, right? He's going to answer. Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, you're blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that uh, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I would underline I would build my church, by the way. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you release on earth will be, have been released in heaven. And then he instructed his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. He's like, hey, hold on just a little bit. I got a few things before you just let the cat out of the bag. Verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, chief priests, experts in the law, and be killed on the third day, be raised. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord. This must not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And that must have really shocked Peter. You're a stumbling block to me because you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. Man, do we do that? We don't focus on God's interests. We focus on ours. Ours gets in the way. Ours, oh, man, I could just go off on that, Right? And then Jesus said to his disciples, now here comes some more radical stuff. Listen to this. If anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I mean, you, you know what the cross is, right? That's where you're crucified. That's where you die. That was a pretty horrible death. For whoever, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what does it benefit a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits its life? Or what can a person give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Now, look, here's, this is, I said it was going to, there's some radical things here, and I, I don't mind getting a little preachy or emotional about it, but listen to this, okay? I want you to think about this or through this lens just a little bit. Jesus does not promise. He does not promise that he's going to build his school. And he, he does not promise that he will build his library. Jesus does not promise that he will build his medical clinic. Jesus does not promise that he's going to build his uh, nonprofit foundation. Jesus does not promise that he's going to build his university or build his social service agency. As good as those things are, and they're all good in and of themselves, he promises with absolute authority that he will build, he says, I will build my church. Now, I want you to think through that lens. Church is a big deal. Church is a big deal. And I'm hoping today to challenge you today. To, I, I want to challenge you to make disciples, 
and to prepare future leaders to build this church for a time and an age that is going to be in more turmoil than we are currently facing right now. If you think for one minute that what is happening now is as bad as it can get or gonna get, uh, you're, you're fooled and you haven't read the end of the story. I wanna challenge you today to think through avoiding unnecessary distractions and time-wasted spending it in fear. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about the virus. I'm talking about all kinds of things that we, we just are afraid of regarding taking risks. And I, I even think that we can be afraid in, uh, in this climate, even of the virus, uh, with balance as well. But I want to challenge you today to be saturated in God's word because the more I spend time in God's word, by the way, the less stressed I am and the more confidence I am and the more I understand that the promises that we've been singing about, about Jesus actually making the darkness tremble is real and true. Just the name of Jesus makes the darkness tremble. Why would we be afraid? If he's the best thing ever, if he can take shame and turn it into glory, what are we afraid of? Why are we not as bold as we should be? Why are we um, uh, uh, kind of nominal, so many? Why? Why? I I want to answer this. I want to challenge you to be saturated with the Bible and throw yourself into difficult ministry where boldness in the word is necessary because this is a time for Christ Christ followers to sit up and be counted. I believe that the upheaval that we are all living in is a gift to the American church. I believe it is. I believe it's a gift because of how it's already shook our church. How, because of what has happened, we've had to say, okay, I I mean, are we just going to sit around here and complain and dry up and go away? Or are we going to figure out how to to navigate through this and truly be the church? Why? Because what has happened is we are being forced. Nominal Christ followers are being forced, right, to stand and be counted because your bluff is being called. Either we're going to make disciples and build a healthy church, or we're going to allow our culture to capture our young people and our families, uh, to take our communities and, and our world that we live in. Are we going to just sit around and just let this happen? Or are we going to go on the offense? If you really think about it, these uncertain, unstable, crazy times, and it, sometimes I'm just like, the world is upside down. If you really think about it, where everything is, is just, it just seems like one thing after another, these times are producing economic instability, racial division, political upheaval, amongst 100,000 other things. We are being pressed towards, I think, purposely by God, towards a wartime lifestyle that we should have been living all along. All of this is helping us identify with the church in the rest of the world, by the way, because we got it pretty comfortable here. 
Churches have to be a lot more radical in so many other parts of the world in order to survive, in order to be effective. Churches are all around the world, outside of the United States of America, have already known and understood this threat and instability for a long time. Now we can learn how to prepare Christ followers for the future of the real church. And I just don't want to sit around and goof around and waste time. I think we have a purpose and a mission and a mandate. And again, I am unafraid to say it is truly radical. And if you don't understand that, you need to come a little more consistent. This craziness presses us. I think it is pressing us to identify uh, to, to the center of discipling our own children in our homes. Because a church building and even maybe our team of leaders and pastors and people like me just might disappear anyway. And then what? Was the church just going to go away because people like me maybe are not, uh, not around? Or this building or we, you know? You can't lean on this kind of stuff. We've already figured that out on buildings and pastors and things like that. I think these times are waking us up to the truth that in the end, what matters is the resurrection of Christ. To live is Christ and to die is game. And so my focus, my aim, my red dot in the middle of the target today is to be an ambassador for the risen Christ and challenge all of you to, keep, to be serious or to step up your game a bit with taking the gospel to people that you and I are connected to through school, work, even play. Every single day, we're still connected. No neutral people at Vail Christian Church. No bystanders at Vail Christian Church. No spectators at Vail Christian Church. And when I'm done today, you might go home and go, man, Pastor Ben was pretty preachy, but I hope to issue for you a challenge that you've got to actually deal with in some way. For all of you who believe God is at work in your lives, I'm challenging you that uh, I'm praying that God will lead you into a deeper and a more radical commitment to engage more intentionally with those who need Jesus because there's life and death at, at stake and I mean, don't you, have you ever done something and then gone, oh my gosh, what a waste, what a waste of time. I wish I hadn't have done that. I just don't want to get to that point in, in these, these last years. How many ever I got left? And just kind of look back and go, man, I didn't just give it everything I had. You know, you can criticize Donald Trump to the end of time, and he probably deserves all of it. But you know one thing that you cannot criticize him about? He gets up every day, and I feel like he busts his can. I mean, you know, you may not like what he does, but that guy works. I mean, everybody around him has got their tongue wagging because they can't hardly keep up. Uh, that part inspires me about him. I know there's plenty to criticize. I, there really is, truly. <laughs> but, man, he, he doesn't just sit around. Now, I want you to... I want you to, I'm going to focus on three things that are related to this text. I'm just going to give them to you ahead of time. Number one is Jesus' conquering vow to build his church. And that word conquering is huge. Every king wants to conquer. Every king. And he has a conquering vow. 
And he's going to build his church, whether you want to be on the team or not. And then um, Jesus' firm, firm commitment to gather his church from all the people of the world, everywhere. He's got a plan and a mission and a mandate. And we got we to gotta understand it because it's not just Westerners, not just white people, red people, black people, yellow people. Every people, every shade, every language, every tribe, all of them. And then third, Jesus has a radical way of acquiring the nations, all right? It's a radical way. By the death of himself, and I'll give you the, uh, ahead of time, the death of his people. Okay, so let's just talk about Jesus' conquering vow to build his church. In Matthew 16, 15, Jesus asks his disciples, hey, hey, you guys, I want to know who do you say that I am? So Peter answers, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You know, you're the one that we all read about, heard about. You're him, the son of the living God. Then Jesus says, right, you're blessed. I mean, man, God has captured your heart, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But God the Father in heaven did. And I'm going to tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. In other words, on you, my authoritative apostle and my inspired proclaimer of the gospel, I will build my church. I'll build my church on the apostolic word of God. That's what he's saying. Now, what I want to drive home here is the conquering authority of this promise, the conquering authority. This mission is not ultimately dependent on human initiative or human wisdom or human perseverance. Thank goodness. You know, because I'm not that smart. I'm not that wise. And I know most of you. Come on, that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> it's ultimately depend, dependent on the power and wisdom and faithfulness of the risen and living Christ to keep this promise. Don't miss that. I will build my church, not you will build my church. Or missionaries will build my church. Or pastors will build my church. But he says, I will build my church. So Paul's motivated to give this glory to Jesus, all right? We know Paul. He writes 60% of the New Testament. In Romans chapter 15, 18, he says, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word or deed. So he says, Christ accomplished it. Christ brought about the obedience of people. Yeah, missionaries, church planters, all these people, pastors, elders, leaders, Sunday school teachers, right? One mission. Everybody is important, but we're not ultimate. Christ is ultimate. I will build my church. This was the point of the way Matthew ended his gospel. If you flip to Matthew 28, 18 and 19, where Jesus says, all authority, I got it all. All authority has been given to me. In heaven and on earth, you know, the whole universe. So go, make disciples of all nations. I have the authority to do it over all the powers of darkness, over death and hell, over government, terrorism, viruses, whatever. And I will do it. I will build my church. So get on it, would you? And I'll be with you, by the way. Has Jesus been building his church through these last eight months? Because it seems like the church is kind of fizzling in a lot of places. Do you know that I talked with um, 
I, I talk to pastors all the time, and I talked with the Solomon Foundation and some pastors here recently, and uh, there's, there's thousands of these churches like us across the nation. Most churches are only seeing about 30, 40% of attendance. And, I mean, the church is struggling. And um, at Ville Christian Church, we're, we're at about 75%, maybe 80%. Doing really well. We're in the top 1% right now. We're really healthy. I think God has expectations on that blessing. I do. Has Jesus been building his church through these last eight months? Yes. Now listen, to put a point on it, right? God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, his judgments, all of this. What if Jesus saw all this craziness, all this destruction, all this and the thousands of lives that have been going through this upheaval in nations all over the world? What if he saw that his centuries-long work of dislodging people from all kinds of things, right, was, was so that they were a little bit more open to understanding and knowing more of who Jesus is. And what if he saw that this pandemic that's created fear and death and it's been unleashed everywhere would have a mass effect of tilting millions of people away from the falsehood that we are the masters of our own destiny. What if, it, what if God said, hey, you know, it's going to be bad. You're all going to struggle with this, but it's going to give you the opportunity to, because it's going to tilt people a little bit to explain the truth of who Jesus actually is. What if he withheld his power from stopping all this because along with 10,000 other effects, he had a view, he could see way down to the everlasting life of hundreds of people in Vail coming to Jesus or thousands of people in Tucson coming to Jesus or millions of people across our country and our world coming to Jesus. Has he been building his church in these crazy times, or is he just kind of like checked out and said, hey, you guys are on your own for a while? One thing is sure, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. That's right out of Matthew 24, 14. The Christ who rules earth and heaven says, I will build my church. Do you hear that? Do you understand that call, that challenge in your life right now? Are you hearing that at all? Do you want to pursue something? And this has been on my heart. Do you want to pursue something that is absolutely certain? Do you know that everything is so uncertain? I'm getting sick of it. It's so uncertain. I don't know what I can count on. You want to pursue something that's absolutely certain? Do you want to give your life to something that is absolutely invincible? See, I do. Nothing done for Jesus is ever wasted. The challenge is going to be give yourself to this cause, Jesus' cause. Here's my second point. Jesus has a firm commitment to gather his church from everywhere, all people, right? Not just Westerners, everybody. This is plain, Matthew 28, 19. Go, go, make disciples, all the nations, all of it. I want it all. 
Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. Romans 15, 11, Paul quotes Psalm 117 here. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the people, all the people praise him. How about Revelation 5, 9? You were slain and purchased for God with your, with your blood, men from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. So I am convicted this morning to say that Jesus has a commitment a firm commitment to gather a church from everywhere, all the people of the world, with the Spirit and the Word of God. Very few places are ethnically uniform anymore or monolithic. It's, it's a melting pot across America and the globe is the same way. American people, Mexican people, Indian people, Chinese people, Asian people, people from Europe, all the people of the African continent, right? Even the Canadians. <laughs> Christ is committed to building his church of all the people of the world. The issue in our era, in our age, it's always going to be who is Jesus and explaining Jesus. And the reason I think things are so urgent is because people are giving the same wrong answer to this question that some of the Jews gave in the first century church when Jesus arrives on the scene. Math on the scene. Matthew 16, 14. Listen. Who is Jesus? And they say, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Some others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. For most people, you, you realize today still, most people that you interact with every single day, to most people, Jesus is not the Son of God. He's not the crucified, risen Redeemer of fallen man. He's not the creator of the universe. He's not this person that the Christ follower knows that when he arrives on the scene, every knee is going to bow to him and confess that he is Lord of all. See, our culture, the culture, the time, the age we live in profoundly dishonors Jesus. Can you see it across the globe? They profoundly dishonor Jesus Christ while searching for a way to be satisfied. And we're sitting here with the answers. 1 Timothy 2, 5, there's one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. John 14, 6, there's one way, one truth, one life, Jesus Christ. Nobody comes to the Father but by him. One way. 1 John 5, 12, he who has the Son has life. He who has, has not the Son doesn't have life. This is why our mission is absolutely necessary. There's only one way. We know what the way is. John 3, 36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Romans 10, 14, how will they believe in him whom they have not heard, and how will they hear? Well, I need people like you to preach it, not just me. Christ will build his church, but he will do it through hearing the gospel, that's where the truth is. That's what sets everybody free. He will do it through the word carried by human ambassadors, Christ followers. 
radical Christ followers, no matter how many struggles the Christ follower has, which leads us to the last point. How's it going to get done? How will it be done? Christ's radical way of acquiring the nations is by the death of himself and the death of his people. Jesus has this radical way of acquiring the nations. It's pretty nuts. The gates of Hades will not prevail. They will be unlocked, by the way, from the, or they were unlocked, by the way, from the inside. I want you to consider this just for a minute. He says in verse 18, if you go back to chapter 16, verse 18, the second half, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Think about this. The gates of Hades are the gates of death. That's what it is. Hades is, is the place of the dead in Jewish thought. The gates of Hades are the gates that make death look powerful and secure and invincible. As if what is dead is dead forever and can never get out of death. But Jesus says, these gates are not going to stop me from rescuing people from death. How is he going to do it? He tells us in verse 21. Look at verse 21 because this is crazy. After he makes it plain that he is the Christ and the Son of God and that all authority belongs to him in the universe and that he has the power over death, it says, verse 21, watch. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he's got to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, experts in the law, and be killed and on the third day be raised. He's going to open the doors of Hades from the inside. He gets in by dying. He gets out by resurrection. And now the gates are his. The keys are his. Revelation 1.18. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death. And Hades, he's got the keys. You know, um, I, I'm the only one that has the keys to my office. Because people go in there looking for scissors. What is it about scissors? I need some scissors. Maybe Pastor Ben has some. Like I'm the only one that's got the scissors in the church. Jesus got the keys. The keys were kept on the inside. That's why he went in. And when he came out, he brought the keys with him, and he will build his church. Death will take none and keep none that he finally wants to have. And what about us? How are we connected? He tells us in verse 24 and 25. Look at, watch Verse 24 and 25, then Jesus said to his disciples, his guys, and, and by the way, that's us, that's the church, if anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, we know what that means, and follow me. You see, it's radical. Oh, yeah, I'll take up my cross. I'll just put one of those around my little necklace and wear or earrings or whatever you do. No. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, to follow Jesus means to join him on the Calvary road that leads to death, dying, that's radical, and then out of death. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Lose it to find it. Die so you can live. That's radical. You've got to 
you got to get this out of your head that it's not. What does this have to do with me? I bet you didn't think I was going to get there that fast. You ready? What does this have to do with me? We acquire the nations by dying and living with Jesus. By faith. It's going to cost you your life. You can't just talk about it. You can't just, you know, so many people bring people to me and say, Pastor Ben, you know, this person or whatever in there, they want me to lead them to Christ. And I will happily do it. I will do my best. But here's the thing. I, you know, I, I can't die for you. I can't live with Jesus for you by faith. I, I can do all these things, but why? we got to do it. You have to do it. Acquire the nations by dying and living with Jesus. Okay, so number two, uh, you know, this, is how, this is how we win people to, to Christ. We do what he did. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, and therefore I, I, I no longer live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave, his, gave himself up for me. Will you die with him and live with him by faith? That's what this has to do with you and I. Are you going to do this? Jesus died and rose again to save his church among all the nations. I will build my church. Now he challenges us today. Will we join him in dying to the world and living to Christ that we might win people in his name, win people to Jesus? What's this have to do with me? Whoever loses his life for Christ and the gospel will find it and will bring others through the gates of death to life. It's radical, isn't it? I said I was going to get a little preachy. I just think that these are times for the church to really sit up and to stand and be counted. Truly, truly. Now, you know, um, oh, I want you to think about, I'm not saying we're going to do this, but I think we should. So there's a little bit of difference there. If this is, if, if, if Jesus really makes the darkness tremble, then, then this is what I think should happen. You know, we're, we're, we're not going to do this main mission trip where you take your family to Mexico and build homes. It's been very foundational to us. It's really changed us, I think, as a church over the years. May have benefited us more than it benefited those folks in Puerto Penasco. I'm not sure. It's huge what happens to your life when you do this. But this is what I think. I was talking with Noah, our youth pastor, this week. And I said, I just want you to process this a little bit. I don't want you to talk about it with anybody just yet. But this is what I think. If Jesus really makes the darkness tremble, I think... You know how, like, young people, you, you can say whatever you want. You can make the statistics do whatever you want with this virus, it seems like. But you cannot deny that young people, pretty, pretty okay. You can get it, but nobody, young people don't die from, from this. They die from so many more other things, right? It's really not a threat to teenagers. It, it, you know, it's, it's just not. More children and teenagers die from influenza this year than that COVID thing. Now listen, listen, this is what I think we should do. I think, I told Noah, I said, I'm tired of spending so much money on winter camp. That's about us. And kids come to Jesus at winter camp. 
Teenagers come to Jesus at Warner Camp, but I said, I, I'm going to suggest that we send a bunch of teenagers down there to, to build a house because they're healthy, because they, they can, because they're our best, and I am unafraid. And, 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 and if, you, if you're paying attention, they are unafraid. I don't, I'm, I'm not saying let's be stupid and crazy and unwise. But if Jesus really makes the darkness tremble, I say, we got the right youth pastor. <laughs> Get them signed up. Let's spend all that money. Let's go build a house. Let's send them down there for a week instead of sending them to Pine Top or wherever else to play around in the snow and do whatever. Are we really afraid to do that? They're, I, I, I get it. I love my kids. I got one kid that does some of the craziest stuff you can do that nobody else wants to do. I, I, I just kind of think we should do it. You don't have to. I am just that ready. And I will go myself if I need to. I just want you to think like that. I want you to think like that. That's my challenge to you today. Will you bow your head with me? Lord, I want to be part of something that is invincible and certain. And this is it. It's about building your church, Lord. You're, you're, you're going to do this but you're calling us to do what you do. And I know it's risky, but I am more and more, Lord, becoming unafraid. And I'm praying that you would turn Vail Christian Church into not just a bystanding church. You have blessed us beyond what we deserve, Lord. Help us to be a church that takes risks, not be unwise, but to be unafraid unafraid, knowing that you have this conquering authority, that we have this conquering authority built right into us because Jesus dwells in our hearts right here. This is, um, these are crazy, difficult roller coaster ride kind of times. Help us to sit up and pay attention to our mission and our mandate, Lord, and to explain Jesus to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Join us again next week as we continue in the book of Matthew. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.bailchristian.com.